This is Racer Nation. Welcome to the bank. All right, Racer fans, welcome in. It's episode 54 of the Racer Nation podcast. And episode 54, that's our Popeye Jones episode. And boys, I hope we get us some Popeye Jones on the team next year because we're going to need some big bodies for sure. We're coming fresh off the loss at Mississippi State, like minutes after we decided to fire up the computers because for once we were all free over the last three weeks. Uh, So Logan and Sawyer, welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys remembered how to turn your computers on and log on to uh, log on to Skype because, fellas, it's it's been a while since we've uh, we've all been here. Yeah, I had no idea where my computer was. I had to look for like 10 minutes to find it. So uh, glad we were able to, to dust it off and come back on tonight and. Um, like you said before we jumped on, it's uh, so good just to see you guys, and I'm excited because I know that we'll get to be reunited a lot over the holidays uh, with Austin coming back into town, so looking forward to that. Um, and then maybe maybe if he comes back into town, maybe that'll bring some uh, some good mojo for the racers because we got to shake up shake it up somewhere, um, so why not uh, shake it up uh, with you coming down from St. Louis? That that's true, Logan. The the only one of our two Division One wins uh, are we all three were in attendance. So maybe that could be the shakeup we need. I sure hope so. To be honest, I, I've told you guys we should just tell the listeners that Austin lost the podcast equipment. And that's how down we were feeling over the past few weeks. But you know we are really big fans, and we can't call ourselves true fans if we don't stick with the team in the bad times as we do uh, when we're having 25, 26 win seasons. So, you know, uh, it it sucks right now and hurts a lot coming off a loss, especially one. seems like all of our losses are uh, ones we should have won. Um, But, you know, this one really hurts knowing that we had a a really red-hot SEC team down the stretch uh, on the ropes and just gave it up. But – yeah, hopefully when we get all three of us back in the CFSB Center and uh, are cheering on the racers together, hopefully we can get the right mojo going and get pump it up playing, get the whole crowd going, and uh, and hopefully get us another win because, boys, we need one bad. Yeah, yeah, we do. And, Lo- I mean, Lo- Logan, you said we had them on the ropes. I think we had them one foot off the ropes being up one with uh, 47 seconds or so to go in the game when they took that timeout and – uh, but we, we can talk about that a little bit. You know, racers are three and six now. Guys, as we record this on December the 13th, probably not a spot that we expected or ever thought we would be talking about on this podcast. It's like you said, the highs of highs. We started this uh, two, two and a half years ago when we were, you know, a couple possessions away from a sweet 16. And here we are sitting a couple of years later with, you know, a completely brand new or a, new, a different coaching staff, a different team. Nobody's the same except for the us three doing this podcast, it seems like. Um, and, man, talk about it, just a complete 180 from there. And, you know, it, it's been a frustrating time, like you said, disappointing time, uh, because you see efforts like tonight. Racers are down 19 in the second half, go on a 15 and nothing run, and, man, we look great. We look great against the first half against Bradley. Uh, we look great at other times. Uh, but then you have, you know, complete opposite Saturday at Austin P and Logan, we'll have you talk about that since you were there, but you score 49 points. You look like you don't belong there, which is pretty, 
pretty frustrating playing against Austin P. But, uh, you know, you guys can hop into it. But to me, that that's been the thing, the inconsistencies. And we've lost so many, so many games by <clears throat> less than four, less than five points. It's the inconsistencies from game to game, the inconsistencies on defense, on the free throw line, shooting the three. And, guys, we know that's what separates the good from the great teams or even the good teams from the okay teams is that consistency, and that's not something the racers have been able to show. Yeah, definitely not. One thing I always preach, and I think it's been um, pretty consistent in all of our wins and losses, is free throws. I feel like every night we struggle from the free throw line. Um, it's almost a difference in winning and losing, especially because all of our losses outside of App State have come down to a couple possessions or less. Um, and then you see the Bradley game where they're traditionally a good free throw shooting team and they shot roughly 50% and we shoot lights out from the free throw line, uh, and effort as well. You go back to Saturday. I don't really want to talk about the Austin P game that much because I just, I can't stand them. But, um, you look at their team and honestly, they were horrible outside of sharp. I think sharp's a really good player. I'd love to have him on our team. I think he controlled the game and was the best player on the court. Uh, Big Daddy down low, number one. I thought he was good. He never played um, because for some reason they played that loose kid. He must have a connection or something because I could not figure out why he was on the court. Um, and then, obviously, uh, Hansel Emanuel. He, he really impressed me, to be quite honest. I didn't know what to expect going in and – you know, you can make the jokes of how he single-handedly, you know, shook us up, but he he truly did. I mean, whether it was blocking shots or getting rebounds or putbacks, I mean, uh, it sucked to kind of enjoy watching an Austin P player, but it was honestly fun to see a kid that, you know, has one arm go out there and really just play really hard and he was the hardest playing guy on the court um you can tell that that's what he uses to his advantage he he doesn't care about filling up the stat sheet he's just going to play hard and do what it takes to win and and he really affected the game um but other than that like that number 11 i i wish him and loose would stay there for four more years i looked i think they're both seniors i was hoping they were freshmen um but outside of that I, I just thought we were a much better team and it came down to them punching us in the mouth and we didn't respond with that same energy. And, you know, we roll that into going into Starkville against a really hot Mississippi state team. They just hung 62 points in the first half and they hung 50 something on us uh, tonight because mm-hmm. they only missed four shots or five shots in the first half. Um, and we hung with them, and then I'm going to be honest, guys, to start the second half with how we responded, it looked like we were giving up. Mm-hmm. And Miss Lynn's going to be mad at me, but I was ready to call the glue factory. Like, <laughs> I was ready to just, you know, burn the bridges and, and let's start over because it, it's mid-December. Our schedule's not getting any easier. We talked about that yesterday. If you look at our schedule coming up, it's – it's the valley. It's a gauntlet, and if we're gonna, you know, roll over, then especially with Sean going down, limited depth, 
Um, our, our big men situation, as we saw tonight, Nick got into foul trouble instantly. He's going to go against guys that are honestly better in the post um, in the Missouri Valley than what Mississippi State had to offer. Uh, and and I know I'm rambling just and talking a lot. But <laughs> we haven't we hadn't had a podcast in three weeks, so I got a lot on my mind. Uh, but I don't know. This team just baffles me, guys. How we battled back, you know. You, Patrick Chews hardly played. He he played a little bit in the MT, uh, crashed the offensive glass, worked hard there. But outside of that, we haven't seen much of him. And he comes in tonight, and he's a huge impact player. And so that makes you want to, you know, get on your feet and buy in. But and coming back on the road, almost winning. But then again, you see just like lapses at the end of the game that just make you want to pull your hair out. One of y'all can jump in. I, I, I don't mean to hog the mic. No, I thought you made some wonderful points. And uh, I think uh, from, from what you saw from Pat Chu, I think we've seen that a little bit from Justin Morgan as well. Um, but it all leads you back to the beginning of the conversation that Austin brought up. And it's just there needs to be some sort of consistency. There's just nobody that you can really count on um, night in and night out that you know is going to come in and, and get a certain amount for you or, or play a certain way. It's just uh, a little bit all over the place. Um, and I think that this that's still a story, a narrative that you had to we had to talk about last year, and it's still happening this year. And it's just a lot of the same storylines getting repeated over and over and over. And nobody wants to watch a show uh, that repeats itself over and over and over. I remember a few years ago during COVID, my wife wanted me to watch Prison Break. I don't know if you guys are Prison Break fans or not, but season one, they broke out of a prison. Season two, they were doing the same thing. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to keep watching the same story over and over. Um, so I think there was more to the story than that. But uh, I didn't make it that far. Um, but we got to keep we, – we, there, there has to be some fu- fundamental changes moving forward. And I think we, we started to see a little bit of that tonight. Um, I hope we get to see a lot more of it in the future because, like you said, you know, when Pat, when Pat Chu uh, had his moment – you know, the bench went crazy, um, really helped in sparking uh, something that could have been special. And, you know, those guys really hadn't had a shot. You saw Laurent Rice a little bit tonight. Um, I think the, the coaching staff is really just trying to figure out, push the right buttons to figure out what what can they do differently? How can they do it? And how can we win differently? And I mean, I appreciate that um, because I, I do think that there needs to be uh, some some changes and um I hate that this is the same the same narrative over and over and over. I think you saw a lineup tonight who went on a 15-0 run that we have not seen all year. I mean, yep. I, I'm just shooting off the hip here, but I guarantee you we have not seen Jacoby, Quincy, Pat, Justin, and Malik on the floor at the same time. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Please, somebody write into the podcast, but I would be shocked if we've seen that uh, lineup, and that's the lineup that – brings us back into the game and so shaking it up uh does does look you know provide some fruit there but and like you said Sawyer not not to just keep going back to the well repeating the same things but I still think you know this might have been more evident Saturday than it was tonight but I still think this team lacks identity I don't think they have something to rally around and maybe this second half gave it to them I, I don't know uh but they didn't have it on Saturday because they, you know, scoring 49 points is not a not an identity. Um, you know, I think back to like 
and I don't know if it was ever this bad, you know, when, when Billy took over, um, but man, that those teams rallied around defense and that was their identity. They took it upon themselves to say that, uh, I mean, the Vanderbilt game, Vanderbilt scores 60 points, right? Well, how many games this year have we've given up 80 already? It's like, so that's, you know, when are we going to lock down and, and defense be our identity? Three-point shooting, the team, you know, half the team shooting in the 20s. So can't really use three-point shooting as our identity. So we got to f- dig deep and find something there. And then the other point I was going to make of how we harped on how important that Western Kentucky game was. Because, Sawyer, you laid it out what the schedule was like after Western to and what it was going to be. And, uh, hey, we, we've said from the beginning this was probably – the heart, the toughest non-conference schedule we may have ever had. And, you know, it just unfortunately fell on, on this year, but you know, you get that win against Western at home, a game that we were within a possession with it on, you know, under the four minute, probably under the two minute timeout. And then what does that do for the UNCW game? When you've got the lead, you know, under a minute tonight, you've got the lead with under a minute to go. Uh, you're with you're within a bat you're within two points against Illinois State you're within two points at Austin P all within a minute to go and Sawyer it reminds me maybe you can expand on this but I can't remember what the if it was Ken Palm or whoever that kind of predicts the record at the beginning of the year and they predicted it one way but you were like so many of those games were I don't know if you said they were like toss-ups or they were within one possession or something yeah, there were like I think there were twelve. I think it was uh, it was not the Kim Palm. It's a different it's a different metric, but it was I think there were like ten or eleven games that were decided by five or less points, and yeah. that was just from the from the that's just a computer ranking system, and that's with so much turnover with the portal. Like nobody knew what these teams were going to be like, but still, it's come to fruition uh, in 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 so far this season, and I really don't think that. It's going to change a whole lot more. I think that there's a, you know, a lot of these games we move forward are going to be just as tight as what we've seen so far. So mm-hmm. uh, you, you've got, we've been begging for it, that identity uh, and that that ability to push through and, and win some of these tight games. And I believe we talked about it against Bradley a little bit to some degree, but I think that there still has to be a next step. And I think that I think that's what we were hoping. Uh, we would we would have saw just coming out from this year. That's why, like you said, that's why I thought that that Western Kentucky game was so important. And I mean, that was a month ago, but man, we had it right there for us to take. And, and how does this season look if you win that one game? Uh, a lot of if ands ors. Uh, we've got to just look ahead, but um, it just it just really <laughs> it really makes you make, makes you wonder. And uh, you could you could really see the outlook um, from where we stand right now being completely different from from where uh from where what it could have been from where we are now well you see the first shakeup in the starting lineup you know sean walker not able to play knee injury probably going to keep him out for a pretty good while um if if it were my guess just from what from what i understand and so it's going to be that and quincy responds incredibly with 17 points played a really really solid game had a huge and one there to cap you know to uh extend that during that 15-0 run but man Quincy his senior season has really been stepping up Logan I know he's one of your favorite players but he had 30 or nearly 30 against Illinois State um he had 17 tonight I don't nobody scored well against Austin P. unfortunately but um man it's, it's really good to see his senior season coming back 
from essentially missing all summer. But, you know, talk about maybe or what you guys expect. You know, he's not going to be able to get that spark off the bench anymore. So guys like Pat Chu stepping up going forward is going to be huge, right? Yeah, absolutely. I've, you know, kind of privately between all of us said that I thought Quincy should have been starting earlier. You know, we play a four-guard lineup, and our five-man is probably the smallest five-man uh, in in our league for sure. And it, it, when you play these higher-level teams, I mean, we're just completely undersized. And so I understand um, having a little bit more length with Sean. To be honest, I'd been so down on him with how he started the season and didn't really think he was adding much uh, to us when he was on the court even though um, you know his defense is kind of what he's supposed to be known for. And I will say, uh, I feel like he proved me wrong at Austin P. I thought he did a great job on Sharp when he was in the game before he got injured, and I thought we saw a noticeable drop-off whenever he, uh, whenever he got hurt because um, like, Rob switched on to him, and you'd have Brian or Jacoby or whoever, and they just – I think the length of Sean really bothered him and uh, made him fade away from the basket a little bit more than he was comfortable from uh, than shooting. And so, uh, I don't know. I, I've i been down on, on Sean, and he proved a little bit to me on Saturday. But Quincy seems to always give that, that boost that we need, um, especially here recently. It, I would have hate, hated to see us play Illinois State without him. Mm-hmm. He scored dang near half of our points. And so mm-hmm. um, he's just been the, the spark that we need. And I think it's critical um, not just for people to step up in his absence off the bench because you have to have that guy. I mean, we saw it a couple of years ago with Trey Hannibal. It was just like he jump-started our offense if we were struggling when he came off the bench. And you've got to have that guy. And honestly, Justin hasn't been that guy. He hasn't been shooting well. Um, Chew's unproven. Sure, he he played hard tonight, and I hope he continues. Um, but I hope that when Quincy steps up into this new role, being a fifth-year senior, he can you know kind of mentor these guys and mm-hmm. um, and really show them the ropes to where. He gives them the the leadership and tools they need to kind of fill his spot because he, we've he's got to start. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. we don't really have that many options um, from a depth standpoint and a um, and a seniority standpoint or experience standpoint. Yeah, Logan, I think that you're absolutely right, and I think that we we've tried we've tried so much of the same with the, with the lineups that we've had here previously that I, I hope that because we're having to pivot and change, this will. Uh, create some new opportunities for different things to happen within the offensive flow itself. And uh, we are where we are, um, but we have still a great chance to potentially turn things around um, before Christmas uh, and before we start playing against uh, other teams in the Valley. If you jump ahead to the rest of the schedule, uh, we play a very, a very tricky, I can't overlook them, uh, Southeast Louisiana team this Saturday at the bank. They are 2-8. and eight. Carlos Paez is... That's right. That's right. Um, and they're, they're, you know, they're two and eight, um, but they are, uh, you know, they were within two points of uh, the fighting uh, racers of Louisiana uh, LSU. 
a few weeks ago. Um, they were within two points with two minutes to go. Um, but in all their other games, they've been blown out. So you've got that. Uh, and then you've got a very a team that's struggling quite a bit against Division One opponents in Little Rock. Um, they they actually had a huge win earlier this week uh, against UTSA, but had been really struggling um, against better opponents, um, higher ranked uh, Division One opponents. And so you had a chance to go on the road and pick up you know another win to build yourself some momentum. And then I really think that over the next week. Uh, as we lead into Christmas, that December 22nd game against SMU is one I hope the players all have circled. And for us, I think it's a huge advantage, um, just as big of an advantage for us now as it was a disadvantage for us last year when we played at Middle Tennessee uh, on a very similar day. We played the 22nd or 23rd, and that had to have been the worst game we played all year. Uh, we That's couldn't the get the ball. I've ever seen us play. Yeah, yeah couldn't get the ball across <laughs> half court. It was an embarrassment. Um, and I think you see that right before Christmas, right before Thanksgiving, because players are their minds are already with their family. Their minds are under the Christmas tree. Uh, and so I hope that we can have that. Uh, that I hope that that same. That same energy is, is felt for the SMU players when they come to town right before Christmas, um, when before they're flying home, uh, sharing the airwaves with Santa Claus, getting back to see their families for Christmas break. Um, so you've got a little bit of a runway. Uh, if you can take care of business against Southeast Louisiana, go on the road and, and knock off a Little Rock team that I think is very, very beatable, especially for our squad uh, in an environment that's going to be, could be uh, more racer fans um, than, than fans uh, from, from Little Rock. Uh, and so then you, then you come home, play against SMU, a team where hopefully our, our team will be extremely excited to play, uh, a team that you, know, you, you don't get to burn up against these uh, schools of this caliber very often, especially at home and uh, can, can really put on a show for the home crowd. I think that'll be a, a well-attended game for us at home. And then, you know, you turn around, you play Middle Tennessee State to end the year, another game at home, and before you know it, you know, you're, you're back above 500 and you're ready to rock and roll. Um, so there is a little bit of uh, an opportunity for us, a runway for us to, to, to get back on track, and I think that is the positive side if you're looking at things and you're, you're, you're looking for positives. I think that, that the schedule does provide um, – a little bit of a chance for you to get right uh, in these next couple of weeks and does give you a bit of a reprieve uh, with it being one of the toughest non-conference schedules we've had. And it probably honestly could not come at a better time um, because it's been heartbreaking loss after heartbreaking loss after heartbreaking loss in different ways. And, um, you know, I really hope that over this next week we can uh, use this and, you know, I, the great the great part about class being over two, and I'm sorry, I'm going on my rant now, Logan, like you did earlier. We hadn't had a podcast in forever. Um, is that you get to do so many things as a team um, when school's not in session, and I really hope the team takes advantage of that and can uh, get away from basketball for a little while uh, because sometimes that can be pretty, it can be a very healthy thing, um, and uh, can can get you rejuvenated for uh, what could hopefully be something that can lift this season. Um, off of the path that it's currently on. And, you know, in, in a week from now, two weeks from now, maybe we are talking about a totally different team, and uh, it's going to come at just the right time as we head into conference play. So um, have you guys done any scouting reports on the, on the folks we've got coming up, or is there anything big that you hope to see over the next upcoming games? Because uh, it's, it's going to get exciting here since we're going to have the whole Racer Nation podcast back in town um, as we take on some of these foes. So Ws are coming. Um, but I just want to see, you know, where you guys think this is 
you know, where we are, where do you want this to go, and what are the opportunities that you see that are laid out before us um, for us to get back on track uh, to, I mean, the reason why we're here is to hang banners. Uh, we said that from episode one, and we have to find a formula to get back on that track. Uh, and so I'm excited to hear um, from two guys that uh, know basketball better than anybody. There's a lot of optimism filled in that in that rant. I don't know if uh, we're going to share the same, but I do do appreciate you bringing the positivity to the podcast um, because there's not a lot of it here. You are right. There will be a lot. Uh, we'll all be at the SMU game. We'll all be at the Middle Tennessee game. And our second annual inaugural Racer Nation podcast invite casino trip. Logan, I, you know, you can workshop that name. Yeah. Uh, not going not to disclose the location just yet, but it might be a town that the racers are playing in uh, in January. So uh, we'll all be at that one. Uh, so that that's going to be going to be big for them. But I hope we can get on a roll here. What my fear is, um, what we've seen from this racer team, what we've seen from past racer teams who maybe have also struggled to have the consistency like 2020, like uh, 2017, um, we seem to play to our opponents a lot. We played to Illinois State's level. We played Austin P basketball on Saturday, you know, 50 possessions or whatever it was, something crazy. Um, so when you've got an opportunity like Saturday coming off a game, you should have beaten an SEC school at, at the hump. Um, you cannot let down on Saturday. We should win that game by 30 points. From what from what we saw in the second half tonight, we should win that game by 30 points. You go to Little Rock, like you said, Sawyer. On paper, we are a much better team. Maybe not in the rankings because I'm sure we're probably sub 250 right now, if I were to guess. You're probably lower than that. Um, so probably not in the rankings, but on paper, we should be a lot better team. You know, we didn't get our first win on the road last year till out Valpo in the Missouri Valley Conference game. We're still looking for our first win on the road. So I think it'd be very important if we could get that. Um, I'm not into moral victories, but at least I'm into momentum to say, hey, we can win on the road. And then, like you said, big opportunity uh, against SMU and a big opportunity against Middle. Surely after what happened, like you guys mentioned, at Middle last year, we're ready to you know, hopefully stick it back to them. Middle's a pretty good team. Um, you know, they they lost to Belmont, but Belmont, as we talked on Texas the other day, is getting really, really hot, unfortunately. And then, like you said, you're, you're right in the mix. So op- we've talked about this all year, though, is the opportunity is there. The opportunity right now is for us to be six and three instead of three and six. But, you know, that's not the reality. It could very easily um, a couple balls go a different way couple out of bounds calls maybe a overturned goaltending or, or whatever it may be and we're we're talking about something different here but um a foul call with you know a set three seconds to go i mean we're the podcast is a lot happier right now than, than we are but um so that's sort of my rant i guess hopefully my unoptimistic balances out sawyer's optimistic logan i expect you to be right down the middle uh well, we'll see. So, <laughs> after the Western Kentucky game, I was not very optimistic because looking at the schedule, I said there's an opportunity where we lose seven straight. And 
I didn't think it was going to happen, but we should have beat Wilmington. Didn't. Both teams in the App State game looked like they were playing the day before Thanksgiving. Uh, I don't necessarily think we deserved to win that game. They kind of, we weren't, you know, close at the end or anything. It wasn't a couple possessions or anything like that. It was um, with eight minutes to go. It was yeah, a ten-point game. You know? But down the stretch, it's not like we just gave it away like sure. we have seemingly every other game. Yeah, I'll give you that. Um, and you know we get the win against Bradley, but other than that, we're one and six in the last. That that Bradley win is not looking as good as it did two uh, weeks ago absolutely either. Not. No. Uh, and so they're this team's really unproven. Uh, Sawyer, you said something this this past week that really stuck with me and it's it's bothered me to be quite honest that we're not that far removed from hoping to get to the weekend of the NCAA tournament and now we're hoping to get to the weekend of a conference tournament and that just sounds it, it seems so not racer basketball to me and I, I think back to last season obviously we Came out and had a great MTE, beat Texas A&M, should have beat UMass. Uh, and then, was it Tulsa? We yeah. came yeah. out and just punked uh, on the last game. Literally. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I was thinking, are we better than we were at the start of last year? Have we made any improvements? And I'm not sure that we're not worse. Like, seriously, with how we've started, yeah. and I know there's there's change and we've played a tougher schedule, but um, I don't, this team just, it, and not just this team, last year's team did as well. I just don't understand um, how we can be so hot and so cold and go through these little mini stretches. It, it seems like it should be more consistent than that. And one thing I wanted to ask you guys is I feel like every week we come in and say, well, we've got to change. Something's got to change. And like in years past, we've had um, a, a coach that whenever asked after a loss what needed to happen, they'd say, well, we just got to get better. And I'd just go, well, what are we going to do? <laughs> what are we going to do to get better? Um, so I, bet, I guys, bet they're asking him that at another school right about now. Probably so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they're probably not as nice as we were either. But, um, <laughs> if you guys could pick a thing or, or maybe two, just parts of our game that you would like to see changed rather than us just throwing out an arbitrary, we've got to change something. Um, do you guys have anything in mind? I've got a couple things that uh, I would like to see, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I think for me, and this is probably going to be the most obvious popular answer, but it, and I don't, I mean, we can't change it this year, but I think we've said this since May is, you know, we're really going to struggle in the post or June or whenever the roster got completed. And to me, and I told you guys, I don't remember if I said it on the podcast, but I know I've told you guys this is our guards are not able to be as effective right now because of the pressure that's getting put on them to score and to make plays. And we are working outside, you know, instead of working inside out, we're working outside to outside. And uh, you saw it tonight with bell, the big guy, I, I turned to my wife and I said, 
I want that guy, and I want two of them. I don't care how good he is at basketball, but he's 6'10", 260 pounds. Probably should be playing a New Year's Six Bowl, but you know he's playing center for uh, for Mississippi State. It's like, I mean, I know those guys don't grow on trees, but that has got to be the the. I don't want to even say the priority. It's got to be the need that we've got to have next year. And, I, and this is not a diss on our post players we have now. I mean, like you always say, Nick can't do anything about his size. Uh, that's that's what he was born. That's what God gave him. So, and he goes out there and plays hard for what he's at. But he he needs to be our four. Like he would be great as the four right now if we played a three guard lineup in him and X as five. You know, KJ Williams is the five. This team, I think we're talking about a three or six and three team instead of a three and six team or or some you know something even better than that maybe. Um, so. I remember folks would ask me all summer, how are we going to be this year? Man, racer's going to be turning around. And not to tell myself, but I just I, – I, I said, you know, I don't know how good we're going to be, but I think we're going to struggle when it gets to Valley play just because of our size. And I think we've already seen that, um, that we're struggling already, obviously. And I think, you know, back to two years ago when this podcast started – you knew what play was going to be run the very first possession of every single play. And it was going to be KJ. Uh, it was going to be somebody, probably Carter Collins, that duck screen for KJ to come around. And Tevin or Juice was going to hit him. And he's he's going to have a layup nearly every single game. And I, they tried to do that. But, you know, when, when you've got a guy uh, and, you know, all of us have to deal with it when we get guarded by a guy that's four inches taller than us, it's really hard to score when, when you know somebody can jump and block you or, uh, you know, make your shot tough. So, uh, so that's that's my I guess second ramble, and it's obvious, and I hate to keep harping on it because there's just obviously nothing we can do to change it right now, um, unless I don't know. I saw something today where the NCAA is not disapproved second transfer waivers, so maybe we get all Apple White to play on saturday i, I don't know <laughs> uh, that's that's that all very up in the air yeah i mean alden's obviously not going to come in and play the five for us but i'm not going to say he's the best player on the team but he could really help us right now especially with sean walker going down so not to get off on that tangent i don't know if you guys want to go down that um, but it seems like a lot of uncertainty with that second time transfer in college basketball right now but uh i think you know that's probably not my only answer but i would say if we could fix that right now we're probably a completely different basketball team. Yeah, Logan, I, I'm sorry that I've made you so upset with this week after my comments about how we're so we're so closely removed from John Morant fighting for two all could could you I mean you could argue three potential trips to the to the Sweet 16 if we don't run into a, a incredibly difficult matchup with us against West Virginia, uh, Jonathan Stark's senior year, um, and then having the second pick in the draft, and then you know you have all this momentum moving into the Missouri Valley Conference, and you know even with all that being said, you know we are where we are uh, in a position that I think if I was just looking a minute ago, you know we haven't been three and six in fifteen twenty plus years, um, so it's it's a place that we've never we haven't really been before, and some and you know a lot of our listeners it's never in their lifetime, um, which is kind of crazy to even to even say. Um, so it is. It's I think it's 
it's uh it's normal it's probably should be expected for our listeners for us to be like well what do we say we've never gone through this before um that's why you know i'm, I'm a i'm a naturally optimistic person so if there's if there's a way to find the diamond in the rough i'm gonna try to bring it up that's why i said what i said last you know 10 minutes ago um but but Austin, i think that you're totally right it's it's a little baffling i think for uh for our fans to to look around and see what the other valley bigs possess <clears throat> some of the other um teams we're going up against we're really struggling with from a size perspective and just say well how how is it that we have had that tradition but we can't that's not what's replicated uh, throughout our roster so i hear those things and i think that's a very a very very valid point um for me i think it's a it's a lot harder of a of, of a of a of an answer i think that my ultimate answer is probably going to be us play lockdown defense in a way we haven't played all year. I think we've seen some stretches of it. Um, but if you think back to those Juwan long years, I just remember the first possession of games. It seems like we got to stop every single time and we set the tone every single time from the jump and, and whether it be a shot clock violation or it seemed like just a ton of teams threw it out of bounds underneath against us. Uh, Austin, you know, we have those seats right there and it seemed, felt like that we always uh, had the ball after the first possession and you set the tone so early and it can dictate so much in the game by just your pressure and your intensity from the defensive perspective. So I think that's probably where my answer is going to be. But, but first I just want to touch on only, I feel like tonight, for maybe the second time all season, we played racer basketball. Um, and yeah. it's just been this. I think there was a little bit of a run in the, in the, in the, in the, um, UNC Wilmington game where we played, you know, we were, we were pretty excited. The group, the group chat was on fire. Um, and then <laughs> it's been a long time since that. And then we saw that a little bit tonight where we, where we finally have gone on a run. Um, I think the statistics would probably showcase that. I mean, I'm not sure um, how many 10-0 double-digit runs we've been on um, this season, um, but it's just when you don't have it, you miss it so much. Um, and in that Bradley game, we might have had a couple, uh, and that was that made the, the the crowd in the CFSB Center absolutely electric. So uh, I, I wish that would be my ultimate wish is that that would we could get back to that a lot more. But how do you get there? Uh, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of question marks there, but I do think that, you know, for something that I think that can happen, not overnight, but quick, quicker rather than, than, than taking all season to develop is, is trying to ratchet it down on defense and either shaking it up. I, I thought the the three quarter court press, um, it gave us problems when they threw it at us, but it also mm-hmm. gave them some problems too. Um, and I really thought that whenever you do that, you can throw in a guy like Laurent. Yeah, he's smaller, but man, he's got a huge wingspan, and he's got guys that can help you. Uh, we've got guys that, if you want to play like that and kind of throw junk defenses at people, you have the roster with Pat Chu and and others to be able to sparingly get some minutes, buy some minutes um, from guys, especially when your bench is so thin, uh, and you can also spark turnovers. I mean, goodness, on Saturday, I think Austin P only had what four turnovers. Uh, yeah, four turnovers. Um, and that's just in modern basketball, it's just not a recipe for success. So long story short, I think that's probably where I would go a uh, long way to get there. Um, but I think that'd probably be, be my choice. Yeah. Let me hop in real quick, Logan. Sorry, but it's a great point about throwing like the three quarter court and you saw that tonight. And every time we saw it against, they ran it against Bradley quite a bit at a game that we were also successful in. And like you said, if you can trust those guys, 
I think tonight shows you you can trust Pat. Pat's going to make mistakes, but so does everybody. Laurent's going to make mistakes, but you're not counting on Laurent to go in there and give you 15 points. You you want him to give you four to five minutes a game so Jacoby can take a break or Brian Moore can take a break. Um, but are you going to get many turnovers on the three-quarter court press? Probably not. But you force that offense to not start until 21, 19 seconds to go on the shot clock. So your deficiencies that you see in the post, you're not giving them time to spread the floor, get the defense in rotations, pass it around where it gives the open dunk. You know, we saw that a lot in the first half. One reason they shot 80% from the field is how many times did they put us in a bad rotation and poor Malik or Nick just could not be there to to stop them and they got a wide open layup and a wide open dunk. Well, they can't do that for 25 seconds when they're not getting the ball across the court until there's 20 seconds to go on the on the shot clock. So uh, I I think, you know, it really helped in the second half, obviously, to spark a run. And maybe you get one jump turnover a game that leads out to a layup. In games that we've played so far, one jump turnover would make a big difference when you're losing by four points. So um, one other thing, Logan, you're probably going to say this, but almost every game we've lost, we've missed more free throws than we lost by. So sorry if that was going to be one thing you've changed, your free throw, the free throw shooting. But every time we've lost by four points, we've missed at least four free throws. So sorry. Go ahead. No, I I actually wasn't going to mention that because I feel like I say it enough. And Sawyer, I'm really glad you said defense because after how easy our defense has been and how much how many points we've been given up, um, it seems really easy for the opposing offense to score on us. I was going to feel bad if I asked that question and none of us said defense. Um, <laughs> but I'm actually going to say offense. And <laughs> more specifically, uh, in two ways. One, down the stretch, you see it tonight. Um, Rob had two possessions that honestly were as good as turnovers. Uh, those weren't just missed shots. They were turnovers because they were bad possessions. And I would just like to see us be more intentional down the stretch, whether it be if you see us um, stalling out or something, burn a timeout. I mean, we've got them. Burn a timeout and set us up to have a good shot. Uh, and to your point, I feel like we're the team that doesn't get started in our offense till 15 seconds in the shot clock. It's always drove me nuts. And I saw it time after time tonight. We'll dribble down and then we've wasted half the shot clock. So Malik, come up here and give me a screen. And that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And so you swing the ball and Malik comes back and gives you another screen. And by then the defense hasn't moved. the ball's touched two people's hands and you've got five seconds left on the shot clock. And so you just force up a bad shot. And so I think being more intentional with our possessions down the stretch, running sets to get high quality shots uh, will lead to more wins. Another thing that I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but Cam used to do it all the time and jaw did too. And uh, Juice did it a little bit, not as much as those two, but uh, we would really push the ball with those guys. And what we would do is our ball handler would basically use their big man being slow up the court to set a screen on his man. And mm-hmm. it would just 
caused them to get all jumbled up on defense. They didn't communicate well off of it. And it seemed like we got so many open shots and open buckets around the basket from the big men not knowing, do I hedge? Do I step over? Do I take the ball handler? What do I do? And I just feel like we don't ever push the ball, whether it be off a made basket or not. And um, so that's one thing that I've harped on Jacoby not being necessarily a natural point guard, but he racks up quite a bit of assists. And he's a he's a pretty good passer. He's not like a yeah Austin. He had ten assists tonight, double double. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not a just like a generational passer like Ja was or Cam was. Um, but he makes good decisions with the basketball. And so if he can put these defenses in bad positions to where you now they're forced. The opposite wing is forced to either help down on Nick Ellington or Malik, or they're going to get an open bucket or give up an open Quincy three or Rob three. Um, I would much rather see us do that and take that shot 10 seconds into the shot clock than not move the ball and just come up with a, a prayer for a three after 25 seconds. I don't think that does us any good. Um, and at that point, you're forcing the other team to play at your pace. You're not slowing it down and playing at whatever speed they want you to play. So that's what uh, it's- Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And we've got – it's not just Jacob. We've got two guys that are more than capable of doing that with Brian Moore. I mean, um, he, he, he sometimes goes to the basket, and uh, there's not a great chance of it going in the basket, but at least he's driving and making them play at our pace, like you mentioned. And if you've got two guys that can do it, that's even better. Um, and we've, we definitely have two guys that can do it, and I would love to see it happen. I think Jacoby did that a lot tonight, and that's – you know, that was one of my surprises. That was the first time we'd really seen a lot of that from him, pushing the pace like that. He never did that at Belmont. That's, you know, that was – it was get, out, get the ball out of your hands as fast as possible, get it to whatever star it was he was playing with. Um, and now it's – you know, that's, that's, that's his role here at Murray State. So um, I definitely appreciate that. I think that's a, that's a great point. Um, you know, the timeouts absolutely kill me. Like, I will text you guys and, like, we need a timeout right now. And then we turn the ball over, turn the ball over, they get six points, and then we call a timeout. Like, everybody in the gym can see it coming. And we just kind of hold on to them down the stretch. And, um, you know, as a team that's still working on their identity, they think I think that would be incredibly important. So another good point. And, and for me, you know, in talking about defense on mine, for a lot of these guys that haven't played a lot, it's – so much harder and you can kind of tell they're a little uncomfortable when they come into the game but it's so much easier to get into the flow of the game if you're giving it all on defense and then turning it into offense it's so much harder if you're pressing on offense you're uncomfortable then you go down on defense you try to overcompensate like it's just it it leads to a a lot of bad things so you know i think i think you guys are making great points and i think that none of this is you know out of this world things that it's going to take a month for people to for for the team to change so uh, I really, I really like what you guys have said tonight. It's been, uh, you know, a really good episode just for me sitting back and listening to you guys. Uh, you know, more reasons to be, um, you know, to be positive, I guess, uh, rather than when we came into this episode. So, props to you guys. This is definitely about thirty minutes longer than we we all expected it to be. But Logan, you uh, you did your own Logan selection tonight. You know, bringing bringing that with us. So stealing Sawyer Slender there, but uh, very. Yeah, one out of every 54 episodes. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. I know you guys, you guys bring up great points. I I think about like Pat tonight, you know, he came in and caused a couple turnovers and 
you know, he, he got he got beat a time or two, but man, he, he came in and gave it all on on defense. And guess what? He got rewarded with a couple open looks to knock him down. So um, the proof is in the pudding. I guarantee when they watch film tomorrow, they're going to be pointing that out, you know, and uh, selling out and and letting the game come to you. And another great point you make, Logan, just about moving the ball around is like our, we have guards who can finish at the basket. I mean, we Brian Moore tonight made some really, really tough finishes. He got had an and one. We saw Quincy. Seems like he gets an and one finish every single game. Um, Rob sometimes can get down there and, and, and Jacoby and that, man, I think, you know, sorry, you mentioned something about like, or I don't know how much better we've gotten since the beginning of last year, but I think Jacoby is one player who you've seen that growth with, and he's probably been our most consistent guy all year. You know, at one point shooting 60% from three, I bet he's close to 50 tonight after tonight. Um, he's uh, got uh double, double tonight with the assist. I know we don't, I mean, we haven't scored a lot of points, but we haven't had a lot of assists um, or made a lot of baskets. But double-double tonight, it just seems like he's improved a lot with his ball handling and stuff. So I think he is one player that has gotten better for us over the year. Newest member of the 1,000-point club as well for his career. So hats off to Jacoby getting that mark tonight. Uh, I know that's one thing I wanted to to highlight for him um, tonight, and that's a huge accomplishment. But uh, like you said, Austin, I really hope that the best basketball of Jacoby's career is ahead of him. And um you know not a senior either a uh, guy who's just a junior uh, seems like we've known him for a long time um but still has a lot of basketball to play for the racer so a huge bright spot for us um down the home stretch all right fellas i like it all right good therapy session tonight i feel like that's what our last podcast was too was a therapy session and i feel like we did it tonight hopefully we're in a better place now than than when we started uh, i think we are or at least as a podcast i don't know about a about the program but at least as a podcast we're in a better spot than we were so uh man next week it's christmas guys we we, we do have three games before then but i know sorry you, you told us a couple episodes ago you've already celebrated christmas a little bit so um it's about that time of year and i think all three of us have have the same christmas wish if we were all to go see santa at, at uh you know, the court square, we would probably all have the same Christmas wishes a lot, uh, just with the rest of Racer Nation. So hopefully, hopefully that rings true. Um, and, you know, next episode, we can we can talk about a little bit, you know, what we've been doing, why we've been gone for a few weeks and uh, get into some other fun stuff and talk about what's coming up. So, guys, you know, in the good and the bad, we always end this podcast one way. So, Sawyer, send us off. Go Racers. Go Racers. Go Racers. Murray State, stand up. Who squad, stand up. Anyone who's in the CFSB, stand up. It's time to take these questions that have been asked to get them answered. Who's going to win the MVC? New big things. It's, it's Murray State.